0: Romans chapter 8, we're in our preparations, our advent of the incarnation. We looked at the end of this chapter of God's everlasting love for us, of that which has been granted to us in the gift of His Son. An understanding that we will not be separated from the love of God, which is ours in Christ Jesus our Lord, but now the the run-up of an understanding what is our freedom as we consider this past year What does our freedom look like in Christ? How does that operate for us? And then looking, Lord willing, it tomorrow morning, continuing in Romans 8, verses 12 through 25, to recognize what is our future bound up in? What is that promise to us by God's word in that book of Romans, but all through it, through Jesus Christ? And so we look forward to this opening of his word. And so this morning, Romans 8, verses 1 through 11, we pay special attention to the reading of God's word because it is that, the very infallible and errant word Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Thus far the reading of God's holy and inspired Word. Let's ask His blessing on it in prayer. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our spirits be pleasing to you. Would today be the day of salvation for those who hear the gospel sound and believe it by faith in your Son. And would you work in all of our hearts to remove any doubt, Father, any hardness of heart, any bitterness toward others. And Father, may it not hinder our glad response to the gospel's joyful sound. Would you hear us? Would you be near to us? And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Children of God called to be saints, we can't help but be a bit reflective when we come to the last day of a year. Maybe as I get older, there's more of that throughout, but, but certainly on this day where we stop and look back and review the year 2023. And so we pause and we consider those things that we've done and those things that we've left undone. We think about the yays and the nays, the joys and the sorrows, the pluses and the minuses, the gains and the losses. And yet in the midst of many of those kinds of considerations, we so easily fix our attention solely on the ways that we've fallen short. They become the critical way in which we review all kinds of bits of our past. And so in that way, we find ourselves and our thoughts shackled, enslaved to all of those ways we feel like we've disappointed God and others. And so in that way, there's that, in some sense, a fearfulness of entering a new year. If that's what my life has been and that's where it's going, why, why would my walk forward look any different? Why would it be any different? Brothers and sisters, there's no freedom in that kind of space and place of mind, no no freedom in that kind of heart and spirit. And so there there must be something better for us, something different. If that is how we are going to live, there's no life, only bitterness and regret and sorrow. And so if you're looking at this past year and looking at things you've left undone or, or, or sin that has so easily beset you or sin that has taken residence in your heart, You're called to come before the Lord in repentance and faith. That there is a Redeemer, God's own Son, who has died for us and more risen again to save us from all of our sins. If there are ways that we're continuing to give ourselves to sin and death, we're we're called to the same and more to actively cast off that way of life, that, that we might live the grace to which we've been called now and forever. And we're free to do that. We've been set free to do just that in Jesus Christ. We're set free to do that because of a triune God who gives life and freedom now and forever. That in Jesus Christ alone, we confidently say, I've been delivered from bondage to sin and guilt and shame and death and, and delivered now to really live life. To live life dependent on the grace of God. To live in and for God's righteousness. To live out the thanks for what He's made us to be in the freedom of fellowship and communion with God. And so in thanks for what He's made us to be in that freedom. A freedom that if we're found in Christ has been ours all through this past year and will continue to be such by grace through faith. What are we going to hold on to as we enter this year? What is that encouragement of exiting this year and moving now to another? Well, simply, saints, we hold on to what he's given us. The one that he sent for us. The one who reigns at the right hand for us. And so in Christ Jesus, the believer possesses a completely life-altering and life-giving freedom. That's what is yours, regardless of what has happened this year. And so in him, ours is the possession of the freedom of a new standing, the freedom of a new thinking, and the freedom of a new dwelling. The believer possesses a completely life-altering and life-giving freedom in Christ Jesus. And so that starts as the freedom of a new standing, Because our struggle in looking back with that kind of doubt or that kind of guilt or that kind of sorrow is that we forget what we stand on. We forget what our place is with the Lord because we're so busy looking at ourselves and our sin that we've stopped looking to the Savior. And so if you need a reminder as you deal with what's gone down in the past year, hear these words again. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. None whatsoever. If you are in Christ, none of what's happened, nothing you've done, or nothing you've left undone can shake that. No condemnation. Not because of anything you've done, but because of His mercy. He saves you. He justifies you. That atoning for your sins and the removal of your guilt is your forever standing in Christ. That doesn't change. That doesn't shift. That doesn't get messed up. Justification, writes Murray, quote implies the absence Of condemnation, end quote. So the only one who is condemning you is you. And that's a hard thing to deal with as we consider that year. He's not doing it. Satan seeks to condemn you, his lies condemn you, you condemn you. But he does not. There is only condemnation for those outside of Jesus who live in death and continual rebellion against that holy God. If that's not you, you're in Christ, which means you are in the possession of his promises by grace and faith alone. Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Real freedom, true, lasting, unchanging freedom. You've been freed in Christ from a law that can only reveal your sin and your sentence. That's it. But in the righteousness and sacrifice of Christ Jesus, you've been set free. That's your standing. You're free from guilt by way of his death. You're forgiven, righteous, fully released from the consequences of your sin in Christ's gift for you. That's your standing. Your sin has wholly and forever been atoned for. That's your standing. Your guilt has been removed in grace upon grace upon grace. You've been declared righteous once for all. No more condemnation. But your freedom is still greater than that. Because in him, you're free not just from the consequence, but from the enslaving power of sin by way of his resurrection. Look back if your Bibles are open to Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. Move ahead to verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. That's your standing as one made holy and being made holy in the sanctifying work of the Spirit. It is a freedom found not in your holiness, but in his. One empowered by his holiness. Lived out of thankful holiness. A standing given you in one who has fulfilled all and done all, has given all, applied all, and keeps all of his own in himself. For God has done. That's the beauty of verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. God did this. We could not. But hear this plainly too. The law could not either. The law makes plain God's rule of holiness, His holiness it makes plain our sin. But the law cannot execute judgment and the law cannot save. In fact, again as Murray writes in his excellent commentary, quote, the impotence of the law reflects upon the fact that it has no redemptive quality or efficiency," end quote. And yet we keep looking back at it as though it does. We keep looking at the past year through the lens of that law as though our standing is in what we do or what we haven't done. But if that's where you are enslaved right now, hear this, you can never do what even the law could not do. But God did it, verse 3, for God has done. He has done All things for you and your salvation. And so all you have and all you are must be found in Christ and his work, including your freedom and your assurance. And that's our blessing found in Hebrews 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death that is the devil. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make, to do propitiation for the sins of his people. God did. Christ did. That is what has been given you. The Father condemned sin in the flesh, not in your flesh, individually but in the taking on of our flesh that His Son did in His incarnation. The Father condemned sin in the flesh of His Son for your, for mine, for all of His people's complete redemption. He broke its power over us that we might have life abundant and life eternal. Giving His Son and His righteousness that our standing would be secure. That is ours. In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That it would be fulfilled in those who are found in Christ Jesus, not having a righteousness of their own found in Him, even as we walk in the freedom, not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And so as you look back and look ahead in this day, as one, I pray, is found in Jesus Christ, in His person, in His work, know Him to be your standing. He and He alone are your pardon. Your assurance and your surety. And in that standing, we are now free to give ourselves to walking with Him and walking for Him, to walking a law as a way of blessing as He works grace in us, even by His Spirit, to continue to sanctify us in His image. That standing is a tremendous gift. Is it yours? Is it yours, not because of anything you've done, but in what God has given and what Christ has worked, and the Holy Spirit is working in you by faith? And that is the freedom then that results by way of that standing in a new thinking, and that in the second place. Because as we look back on a year gone by, or as we get older, at years gone by, we should be able to resolve ourselves in a trust that if we're in Christ Jesus, nothing of our standing has or will changed. That's firm. We've been justified wholly and only in Him. He is our righteousness and freedom. But if we are in Christ Jesus, then we know we have and are to have the mind of Christ, to be given to that which is good. And now here, perhaps, is the shifting of what should be our real struggle in looking back and looking ahead. Because what we have to deal with are our thoughts, with our mindset. Not only in fixing our hearts and minds on Christ alone, but also in giving our minds and hearts to Him and Him alone as He continues to work sanctification. And so it's one thing to look back at a year and say, Lord, I long to be more like you. And I want to be more and more captivated by you. And I I want my life to look more and more like you. And I'm I'm frustrated at my progress in that sanctification. And so would you work in me by the power of your word and Holy Spirit something better, something greater? That's one thing. That, That doesn't talk about your standing. Your standing hasn't changed. But how you're living out that standing, you're praying would change. And yet, there's also a second danger because we want the process of sanctification to be completed now <laughs> without struggle, without hurt, without battling. But it's not. And so we have to struggle against sin, and we lose some of those battles. A lot of those battles, more often than we'd like to admit or deal with. But in Christ, we're given new minds so that we'd be given to the Lord and to His way. And so if we aren't, if our minds are not full of the things of the Lord, if our hearts are far from Him, if our life gives testimony of anything other than Christ, then we should rightly pause today to consider whether we're found in Christ or not. So that we'd fix our minds on Him and an assurance found only in Him. So today, yes friends, an examination is warranted. So long as we set our minds of Christ, so, on our Christ so that our ongoing mindset in this world would be Christ alone. So that test begins in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. That's what you were. If you are in Christ, that's what you were. Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. It's a living mindset, living death mindset that enslaved you and your heart and your mind to various passions and pleasures to malice and envy, and to hatred. And if that's what you're given to, even now as I am preaching these words to you, and your heart and mind have been opened now in this moment to know that, repent now and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in doing so, you will be saved from your sin and death and delivered to something far better. For those who live according to the Spirit, set their minds on things of the Spirit. Your mind and your mindset is given to the glory of God and to the good that you're called to in Him. And that's real freedom. You see, kids, sometimes you you kind of talk to your parents. I mean, not you, kids in general, about just... I just, I want to do what I want. I mean, all your rules and all this stuff and all your expectation, I, I want to be free from this. Go ahead. <laughs> Go try it. I mean, that's usually the exasperated parent talking. You want to be free, but but there's still that which you're called to. That which has to happen. That which you have to do. That there is a great deal of freedom within that construct and confines. no, we live according to the Spirit. We come under the submission to the authority of one who loves us and gave his Son for us. That's real freedom. In fact, the Lord will never call you away from anything that's good or that can give life. He's saying, I'm your freedom, and and here's freedom, and here's the way of it. Simply believe and live in fellowship with me. He's calling you out of darkness into life. Because what does the mindset of the flesh lead to? Verse 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. That's all there can be. All that comes from such a mind is that and only that. Paul makes it plain in Galatians 5, now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Things that people in church pews still give their minds to. I warn you as I warned you before. That those who do such things, who are given to such things, whose minds are on such things, will not inherit the kingdom of God. In fact, there's only slavery in those things. That if you look back at this year and say, that's the sin that I gave my heart and my mind to. Look at all the time you gave, the money, the effort, the lies. Look at all of it. There is no freedom in that. There is only freedom in Christ. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. It is the definition of freedom. What better things to think on? That in Christ Jesus you're given a mind free to possess life and peace and more to produce a witness of that, of that kind of newness of life in Jesus. For again in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. You see, we've, we've been set free to walk with the Lord in freedom. To have a mindset that isn't given to things that would restrict that or take that away but that would be given to a full experience of that. Free to walk with the Lord in the mind of Christ in the powerful working of His Spirit, which is the only way of freedom. And it sets aside. You see, we want to be Christians, but do a little whatever, or use sorts of words, or I want to be Christian and. There's no and. You get to hold on to any bit of the flesh. We're in Christ or we're not. And that's the line that verse 7 sets for us. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. If you're given to the things of the flesh in the world, in just a little bit, even, you are no friend of Christ. You are an enemy of God. James 4, verse 4, Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Which means what? If you're going to give yourself to the fleshly things that the world gives you to, you're living a life of slavery, but also of separation from God and His goodness. And more, it leads to the sentence of verse 8. That kind of mindset, those who are in the flesh, cannot please God. So then, how will we examine our lives? Am I in the flesh or am I in Christ? Is my mind of sin and flesh or of Christ in his spirit? And as you examine your life truly, honestly, in the power of His Word and Spirit, it's going to be plain. Galatians 6, 8, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That what's in your mind, what's in your mindset, is what's in your heart, and it will come forth in your life. That's what we have to repent of in the old year. That's what we look ahead to in the new. Lord, let my life be that which produces and reaps eternal life. That which gives testimony to eternal life. Because again, if your mind is given to death, you know no life or freedom, but there's something better in Jesus. Look again back at Romans 7. Verse 5, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. It's a simple test. Is my mindset in life given to selfishness or service? Is it given to sin or to a Savior? And in that way, then, all of our considerations of this day, of every last day of the year, needs to be centered in Christ Jesus. Lord, your work gives me my standing. Your mind is mine. I have the mind of Christ to be fixed on and only on the will of the Father. That I might be found in the power of your Holy Spirit to live and walk and to rejoice in real freedom. In real fellowship with him who makes his dwelling among us and in us, and that in the last place, it's the freedom of a new dwelling. That in Christ, we live a standing that cannot be taken away with his mindset and in his presence filled with his Holy Spirit. That's the promise for those who are in Christ. But I ask you is the Spirit of God dwelling in you? Not just an ascent thing or a scripture toss, dwelling. Making home with you. Does the Spirit dwell in you? Is that known in what comes out your mouth? Is that known in the work of your hands? Does Jesus have the place on the throne of your heart? Is His Spirit having His way with you to make you more like Jesus? The answer to that is a matter of dwelling. Not only is He dwelling in me, but am I dwelling with Him? Is He living in you, and are you living in Him and for Him? Examine your heart and life, because that answer is crucial. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact, there's a verifying that needs to happen, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. It must be a fact, but it has to be more. It has to be applied fact, plain fact. But how can we know? And that's the struggle of assurance that some people are riddled with even on this last day of the year. How do I know that He's dwelling in me? If you're truly in Christ, His Spirit dwells in you. Have you looked to Jesus? Have you truly found all of your salvation in Him? All of your righteousness in Him? but is that seen? Is it not just something in which I say, oh, I'm a Christian, but no one could tell? Oh, I'm good church-going folk, but the things that you say and speak about people in the church or outside of it or of your family or of coworkers or whatnot doesn't match up. If you're truly in Christ, His Spirit dwells in you. Jesus said in John 14, 23, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That he would be our home. And so hear this plainly, before you are tempted now to throw away that standing and that dwelling, your assurance is not found first in your following, but in His dwelling in you in the union and communion that He has established for you in Jesus Christ. So anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. If the Spirit is not working joy and righteousness and peace in you, that is a call to come and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and in Him alone, that you would know life. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, we're still going to struggle. And there are still going to be ways in which we fall short and we need to come again in repentance and faith. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. The Spirit will continue to work joy and peace and freedom in you, which serves as assurance, for the Spirit is the guarantee of what is promised. And what He will work in you as you abide in Christ will give witness of the same. It says in John 4:13, "By this we know that we abide in Him, that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His spirit." And so it's why Paul continues, as we close this text, in these words from verse 11, "If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, what you have been given is not powerless, it's powerful. The Spirit that has raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his Spirit who dwells in you. That's his promise. If we're his dwelling, we will dwell in life now and forever. If the Father has loved us and given his Son for us, and if that Son has taken up residence in us and has placed in us the dwelling's Holy Spirit as a guarantee, we have much comfort. We have much hope because we know the wonderful work of a triune God in making us a dwelling place of life and peace. Which is a life of the most beautiful freedom that we could ever describe. Free to live with him, free to serve him, free to love him, free in everything to glorify him now and forever. But does your life give testimony to that? And that's a hard thing because we're all raising our hands saying, not fully. Not always sweetly, certainly not always powerfully. And so consider your life today. If you're living for things that only bring death, put them to death, which is yours found in the freedom of the righteousness of Christ. He died to put an end to your sinning. He's risen to give you a way of life. And that's the assurance we've looked at even at Advent in Galatians 2.20, is it not? I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So live that. Let's live that life of freedom as we dwell and abide by grace and union and communion with him. May he be all the more sweet to us and beautiful to us in the freedom that we have to follow him with all that we are and hope to be. That's what you've been given in Christ. That's what you possess. So keep holding to that as you turn a calendar from an old year and enter a new one that you would rejoice in Jesus Christ in that new standing and mindset and dwelling in thankful obedience to the glory of his name. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, for the gospel, for the blessing of Christ. Father, we thank you for a standing that is firm and fixed forever in your Son. Father, a mindset that now says, let's get rid of all of that sin that you have been victorious over. And Father, when we do sin, we have an advocate, Christ Jesus the righteous. And so may we fix our eyes on him. And Father, we thank you that you have made your dwelling in us, that Christ not only took up tabernacling among us in the flesh, whose flesh, Lord, is at your right hand, guaranteeing our place there, but that you have come and made tabernacle in us. And so, Lord, we pray in that dwelling that we would long to dwell and abide with you in sweet fellowship. In ways of obedience, saying thank you for all the many blessings divine which we in Christ possess. Father, would you work that in us then? Might our lives be pleasing before you as we are found in Christ. And we ask all things in his name, in Jesus' name. Amen.